Hello, hello, and welcome to Martinis and Bikinis, the podcast for everything under the sun. I am your hostess, Veronica Trulia, and I am here to help you navigate your 20s through all things lifestyle, beauty, and fashion. So if you're ready, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Martinis and Bikinis. Today, I have on the queen of DC. She is your go-to gal for all things DC, whether it's restaurants, workout classes, and anything that's new and exciting happening in the city. She's also the first foodie that I'm having on the podcast, so that's really exciting. So let's say hello to my friend Maddie from DMV Food Finds. How are you, Maddie? Hi. I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. This is exciting. Right? I feel like it's so funny bringing on friends to the podcast because it's really just like a conversation and something that we would have just like sitting at a restaurant or at a coffee shop just chit-chatting away. So I think it's going to be fun. Yay. So I want to get into the foundational aspect of everything that you do and also your life. So... (laughs) Tell us a little bit more about the Maddie outside of DMV Food Finds, like how you got started, where you're from, all of that. Definitely. I grew up in the D.C. area, born and raised just outside the city. I originally thought she was from Annapolis this whole time, which is so embarrassing. Yeah. So my family's in the process of moving to Annapolis. So I love to spend a lot of time there. And I feel like I'm always posting about it because it's such a pretty city and there's so much going on. But no, I grew up in Montgomery County. So just outside the D.C. border, and basically, I was born and raised in the city, never really left. I went away for school, went to college in the Northeast, and then COVID hit when I was a senior, came home, moved downtown to D.C. November 2020, and that's also when I started my food account. So that was kind of funny timing. Like, I was back in the city, and I kind of wanted an outlet for something creative to do while I was downtown, and there wasn't really much to do at the time. And then I was working in commercial real estate, flash forward a year, year and a half later, quit my job, started doing my own thing. And I've been really fortunate and I think just very happy finding my space in DC over the last year or so. Absolutely. I remember when we first met, we were at May 64 in their Mezcaleria. That was the first time we met. And I had brought my friend Camille and we, and you had Abby there from Bad and Boozy Brunch. It was so much fun. And I had asked you about what you do full time and you had told me about your job and that you were thinking about quitting and really going like entrepreneurial. Because I think at the time you like didn't. Do you remember when that was? I'm trying to think of that. I honestly don't know. Uh, Yeah, you're right. I don't think I was full-time at that point yet. Yeah. So you were telling me about how you were thinking about doing that. And I was like, you should fucking do it. (laughs) I was like, go for it. Um, But I'm not going to claim that at all. That was like totally you. And I'm so inspired by everything that you've done ever since. And being able to keep up with you was so awesome after that event. But I actually was cracking up because your cousin is actually a friend of mine from LSU. Yeah. And I was just with him a couple months ago at his brother got married. So we were all together. So that was hilarious. He's so sweet. But yeah, it's so funny how small of a world it is. And as somebody who has family in Louisiana, and Louisiana is a big, like strong, rooted foundation to your family system and the way that you grew up. I think it was so fun to connect with you because there's not a lot of people that get it, you no, know? <laughs> no, definitely. The craziness of uh, the Big Easy is something that you got to be there to understand. Yeah, and you're the biggest Saints fan I have ever met. And I know so many people from New Orleans that aren't even like up to par with you, which is amazing. <laughs> but how was your last trip there? It was incredible. I was there in January for a wedding. We got really lucky with the timing. We saw a Saints game. We saw all my family. It was a family wedding. The weather was beautiful. It was like 75 and sunny every day, which is awesome for January. 
And it was great. It was the first time we had been down as a family and I was of the legal drinking age and just kind of like able to chill and hang out. And I was with my siblings and my parents and my dad's from there, as you alluded to. And so it was really cool. Yeah, no, I think that's the best part about it because there's like so much eating and drinking involved in the city. (laughs) So if you're not able to experience the whole effect, then it's totally worth it regardless. It's such a fun city, but you have to go for that. Like that's what it's famous for. It was such a cool city to create content in. Yeah, I I I saw that you went to Jean Lafitte's. What did you think? It was awesome. So my dad grew up in in New Orleans and he wanted to do a tour of all the iconic places he had been to. So like that's the oldest bar in the U.S., I guess, or maybe, yeah, oldest bar in the U.S. I didn't even know that. And so we walked in and he was like, whoa, this has changed a lot because it had been probably 15, 20 years since he had been when he was, you know, there in his college years and after that. But it was cool. The whole Bourbon Street experience was awesome. Yeah, I love the piano bars. I think that they're so fun. And I know DC has a few of them, but there's nothing like a New Orleans, like dive bar, piano bar, and just like grungy and dirty. (laughs) It's like the people are really great. And I think that's what makes it. So I love that you had a really good trip. What was your favorite thing that you did? We went to the carousel bar, which was really cool. Just something different that I hadn't seen in any other city that I visited and definitely not in DC, but it's a moving bar in one of the famous hotels there, which I'm sure you've probably been mm-hmm. to. But it, you sit at the bar and it moves around like a carousel. And that that reel that I did about it went viral because everyone was like, what is this? But also like, how are you not throwing up? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it moves super slowly. It's at the Hotel Monsleon, but... It is always so crowded. It's so hard to get a spot. So that's amazing that you were able to like actually like get the full experience because I've only sat down on it one time. Really? Oh my gosh, it's always flooded. It's so hard to get a spot. I think we got lucky. It was like a Thursday afternoon in January. And so I think it was a little bit quieter. Yeah. It was great. I feel like usually whenever I go, it's like peak hours, like Saturday night, like stupidest time to go. But no, that's so cool. I think that is such a gem. And a lot of people don't know about it that aren't like familiar with New Orleans and the whole culture. So I think it's really, really cool that you were able to share that and people were like really flocking to it and interested about it and wanting to go see it. But let's talk about DC. So what made you want to start a food account? Oh, so I think what it was is I was moving here when COVID, or I moved back to DC when COVID was still in its peak. And I had some friends that were moving here from college, some friends that were coming back from high school. And a lot of people were asking me what to do. And because I grew up in the city, during the time of COVID, there wasn't much to do besides outdoor meals and taking things to go. And so I kind of used it as a platform for recommendations for my friends that weren't familiar with the city. I've always loved food. And I think one thing I'm very grateful for about my upbringing is my parents did a phenomenal job of introducing me to different types of food and being very willing and excited to take our family out to restaurants, which Mm -hmm. I know is not something that everyone gets to experience, but I feel very fortunate that I was. And they were always the type of people that were like, you should try this. Like you should try something new, whether it's a type of food you haven't tried before or something you haven't heard of. So I feel like by the time I was in high school and then definitely in college, I was just always really excited about trying new places. And then I was working in real estate. And the fun thing about real estate is you kind of get the inside scoop of like what's coming to the city. And so I kind of was always, when I was in my former job, on a lookout for, okay, what's coming to the new neighborhoods? Where are people signing leases? What type of restaurants or stores are coming in? So I think kind of marrying those two together is what I got really excited about when creating content. Yeah, no, I think that's so cool because you're 
really, really good at finding the new spots that are popping up and just like alerting the general public about it. And I always see your videos and a new place will pop up that I had literally no clue was coming to DC. And I always feel like I learned something on your page. So it's like really, really great that the residents have your account as a resource because I have this Instagram group and my friends will constantly be sending like other creators like recommendations or things that are about to open or things that are happening. And like probably 70% of the time, it's like stuff that you're posting. So like you were just like spot on and like so good with it. So I think your work ethic is unmatched. I always tell you, I don't know that you have like, I don't know how you have like time for all the 50,000 things that you do in a day. (laughs) And I would love to hear about that process and how your organization methods come across to... Definitely. I'm super type A, so I think that helps. I'm a pretty big believer in Google Calendar and my notes app is literally my Bible, I guess. Like at this point, like I I keep track of everything in my notes app. It's a constant to-do list. But I think you'll you'll relate to this when Instagram, when I say that Instagram is also kind of a highlight reel. I mean, everyone and I think every creator will be upfront about the fact that you're trying to make your life seem as cool as possible. So yes, I'm I'm very busy and I'm doing a lot of things, but also a lot of what I'm doing on Instagram might come across as a little bit crazier than it actually is in real life. So I think that's something something to note. But Well, if it makes you feel better, I posted a TikTok the other day and said, I had the craziest weekend ever and I wanted to share. And it was actually when we went to Surveyor for brunch. Oh yeah, it was a fun weekend. Yeah, we had a really fun weekend. Somebody goes, I'm really disappointed in this because... I don't know what's crazy about this weekend. (laughs) Oh, that was a really fun weekend. I know. I was like, what do you suppose I do different? And they said, don't say that it's going to be a crazy weekend. And I was like, okay, Jesus. So like, you really can't satisfy everybody. Yeah. But no, that was a really fun weekend. We had so much fun. It was a fun weekend. I think what I loved about that weekend is we, so we went to a brunch together and it was a planned brunch. But then I love the fact that after brunch, we just kind of went with the flow and bar hopped in the city a little bit. And that's been my favorite thing recently to do is kind of like have one plan thing, but then try to leave my days a little bit more free, especially on the weekend. I feel like when I started out doing this, I was always so scheduled. Like I need to be here and I need to do this thing. But as time has gone on, I'm trying to take advantage of the fact that I'm able to set my own schedule and I'm able to do my own things and trying to be a little bit more willing to have free time and go with the flow. Absolutely. I also think from the outside looking in, it just looks like food people here are given a bunch of food and like getting paid for it. And like, that's all it is. Mm -hmm. But there's so much more that goes into it. I think that people have a really weird perception of it. And obviously it's amazing to get like free food or get like gifted dines and experiences. But I think like there's a lot of toxicity to it too with like people responding to your content or maybe what people expect out of you, like certain businesses. And like, there's sometimes where like, people will just be so awful on the internet. And I think it's absolutely amazing. And I'm not complaining, but like, I'm sure that like, you've had experiences where like, you felt like you've gotten taken advantage of, or like, you felt like you've gotten like bad feedback or like backlash on something. And I'm sure that that can be hard to like, cope with sometimes. Yeah, it can be a tough space. I think that there can be negativity. People hide behind the lens of their private profile and and I don't know who they are and they're leaving negative comments and that can sometimes be tough. But I think 
in the grand scheme of things, I feel like I'm providing a platform that's really useful for people and for businesses. So local community members, my audience that follows me, in addition to the businesses that I'm highlighting, and I just try to keep that in the back of mind whenever anything negative kind of comes up. Yeah, that's good. I like that. So I know recently you were in the Washingtonian article about food influencers. And my hot take on this, I've told you this before. I don't know why people in D.C. specifically are so pressed about food influencers. Like, I've not seen a lot of negative energy spread to people that are doing, like, more lifestyle or fashion or beauty or whatever from, like, an actual community standpoint— But even being in LA for like the last month, I was telling them about how big like the food influencer scene is here. And they were all shocked. They didn't like understand why there was like so much drama with like the community and like all this. And I feel like that article just painted a really bad picture about people in like the hospitality influencing industry because you're not doing anything bad. Like if anything, like you're just going to like eat a little treat and post about it. You know, it's not like you're trying to like be this like horrible human being. And I think people are just so pressed for no reason. It's just really weird to me. I don't get it. I think I obviously talked about the article before with with you, with friends. I think my opinion on it is everyone likes to have an opinion and kind of have a hot take. And so I think when the article came out, there were people that were super supportive. A lot of my close friends, a lot of my audience was really supportive and kind of saying that influencers are great. Like they do all these great things for the community. But then there's also the side of people who are kind of like, I want to have a different opinion. I'm going to take the other extreme. And so I think it's just, it was an article that I knew going into it was going to be kind of a devil's advocate piece showcasing both sides of the lens when it comes to influencers. And so as a result, I think I was really excited about it, but also kind of aware and cautious of the things that I was saying while I was being interviewed, just to make sure that I was, you know, painted in the light that I wanted to be painted in. So it was interesting, but I feel fortunate that I myself didn't get any negative backlash, but I think food influencers as a whole, as a result of the article, definitely did see both sides in terms of response. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed that there was different storylines in it, talking about influencers that had gone into restaurants and demanded free meals because they're, like, going to post about it. I have not ever witnessed that with, like, the people that I know in, like, the food community. I, for one, have never done that. I would never even think to do something like that. That sounds literally terrible. But I also think that there's places that I go to and I'm sure a lot of other people go to where they just like post about it because they had a good experience. It's not like this whole like collaborative effort. It's just like, oh, I liked this place. Like I'm going to tell people about it. Definitely. And I think that's one thing that I really try to do, especially with my story content is I showcase everything that I do during the day, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's grabbing coffee with a friend, whether it's doing content for a client or content for a partnership. I try to showcase everything that I'm doing And as a result, I think my content comes across as pretty organic as opposed to staged. And sometimes I think when you're only doing paid partnerships, it doesn't come across that way. And so I like to incorporate the organic content and showcase the businesses that I'm going to just on my my own dime, on my own time, because 
it shows the best sides of every part of DC and and the lifestyle that I'm living. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know in the article, they kind of highlighted that you left the corporate nine to five for being an entrepreneur and starting this incredible like food and hospitality social media business and also doing your own content creation. What was that jump like? Was it scary for you? It was scary. I would I would correct one thing that you said. It wasn't a nine to five. It was a nine to eight and checking okay. my email on the weekend, which makes a big difference. This is a nine to five city. There's a lot of government contracts. There's a lot of people that are still working remote and never have gone back into the office. I was back in the office in September of 2020, peak COVID, and I was working way past 5 p.m. most evenings. And most of my friends were, you know, still kind of dilly-dallying, Companies hadn't figured out exactly what they wanted to do. And so I was kind of in this extreme position where I loved real estate and I loved a lot about my job, but it also just wasn't fitting in with the way that my life was going and all the other things that I was passionate about. When the jump actually happened, I had only been thinking about it for two to three weeks prior than putting in my two-week notice. Wow. So that that was crazy. And I think that's the side of the story that doesn't always get told a lot, but I just knew I had to go for it. I had a lot of money saved up and that was kind of my safety net that I wanted to make sure that I was going to do this. And if I was going to do it, I was going to do it right. And I wasn't going to like ask anyone for help. I was going to rely on myself. That was super important to me. And I also kind of gave myself a one-year timeline that I would assess things at the end of the year. And if it wasn't going great or it wasn't working out, then I would go back to a traditional job and look for something that maybe I was more passionate about. But looked more along the lines of a nine to five. Yeah, that's a really good point because I think everybody kind of addresses it as a nine to five in general. But this is such a workaholic city and a lot of the businesses expect their employees to work wee hours into the night, which is really not healthy. No. And I feel as if an entrepreneur, I think one of the biggest like perks is being able to make your own hours. But you also have to hold yourself accountable. Yes. And I think you're really, really good at that. So what are your like tips for that? Because I honestly want to know. I try to be. I think I'm working more now than I ever did before, but I wake up every morning and it doesn't feel like I'm working. And that is the biggest thing for me is I'm so passionate about what I'm doing and I love what I'm doing every day that none of it feels like work. But as a result, I'm willing to put in the additional work, put in the additional hours. I think organization, as we chatted about earlier, is hugely important. I think having a space of friends, people like you, people that are more closely aligned with the food industry, having different people that you can talk to and get advice from is really important. I'm fortunate that my family is pretty close by and they've been a rock in terms of just supporting me along the way and uplifting me, which has been really great. But I think that and then the the finance piece, like I wanted to have that savings and that safety net. And so I think that's a piece that sometimes goes missing when people think about starting their own thing. They maybe start off without having all the resources aligned. And that creates a lot more difficulty, I think, when you're trying to go off on your own, if you haven't had that, that thinking and the preparation, because then there's loose cracks and there's more chances that something goes wrong. Absolutely. And I think it's always really good to have a safety net. Because especially you don't know what type of costs are going to present themselves. And as somebody that has a few different businesses myself, I think I'm going to be spending this much on a project and that's the expenses that it's going to go towards. And I look at the numbers after and I realize I've spent way more than I projected. And I think that there's a lot of investing that goes into like creating something of your own. I think with 
like social media, it's great because there are like low like startup costs, but at the same time, like you you still have no idea what you're getting yourself into. So having that safety net is like so important, but I've like fell into definitely patterns in the past that I've learned from with being an entrepreneur that you have literally no idea what's going to happen. Things are going to like come out of nowhere and there's going to be like cultural things that happen too, where like you just, you can't control them. Like COVID, for example. I actually have a question about that. How was being a senior during COVID? Oh, it was so weird. Uh, so I was on a two-week spring break when COVID hit. So when we left campus, COVID wasn't really a thing. Like it kind of was a thing and it hit San Francisco at that point, I think. But no one was no one was saying goodbye. No one was packing their bags. We were going home to go on spring break. And it was two weeks. So my first week was at home with one of my best friends. We were in Annapolis. And then the second week, we had planned to go on a big trip to Florida with with a bunch of my friends that were also all graduating. And so over the course of the first week in Annapolis, it went from, okay, school's being postponed to, okay, school's being canceled to, okay, you guys aren't allowed back on campus ever. Like, either come get your stuff or we'll ship it to you. So it was crazy because I never got to say goodbye. And there's still friends that I haven't seen since March of 2020 because they're in Europe or they're our schedules just don't align and they're all over the country, all over the world now, honestly. And so it's tough. But at the time, I feel like our class and and the people that were seniors in high school and college kind of had it worse. But as I look back, I'm almost kind of thankful that I was, I got my full three and a half years at school because my brother was a freshman in college and seeing him, you know, not being able to go back to campus for a sophomore year, having a really difficult time just like keeping relationships that he had only made for two to three months prior. That was really tough. So it was weird. I'm lucky that I had a job because that was scary for a lot of seniors did not have jobs when COVID hit or their jobs were getting, getting retracted as a result of COVID. So, and my job ended up getting postponed for a month or two. So instead of starting in, in May or June, I ended up starting at the end of July. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I graduated right before in 2019. So I didn't like have that experience. And I always felt so hard for the people that were in college during that time because it's such a transitional part of your life. And to have that taken away from you is also really upsetting. So I'm glad that you made the most out of it though. And you kind of used it as fuel to start your own business. Like even if you got into this corporate job, Mm -hmm. you like used it to help you start something of your own, which I think is awesome. And not a lot of people have the courage to do like straight out of college. So I think that's like super, super cool. I do think it motivated me a little bit more to start this sooner. I think you're right. It's a very pivotal time when you're graduating. It's a time of a lot of joy, a lot of happiness, a lot of opportunity, a lot of excitement, travels, anything else. And from missing that and kind of missing out on that like peak joy and happiness in my life. I think I was really itching for that and trying to find it somewhere. And I ended up being able to find it by investing in myself, which was really cool. Yeah. And I think investing in yourself is so important, whether it's starting a business and that's not for everybody, but whether it's kind of evaluating your health and finding a workout that you like, or whether you're like fueling your body and like eating really great food and you're investing in the people around you too, like making sure that like you're taking time to like really make sure that you're surrounding yourself with supportive people. I think it's really, really awesome that you have such a tackle on that. But I also want to talk about workouts a little bit because I know that you have your 
workouts that you do here and you are so, so diligent about it. I know you just ran a half marathon too. So we have like so much to talk about in like the workout wellness sphere. But how was the half marathon? It was good. I actually, I loved it so much that the day after I signed up for a second one. So I ran, I ran two back-to-back You're breaks. a monster. <laughs> you showed up to brunch, like a boozy brunch right after doing a half marathon. I had just woken up. <laughs> I get there 30 minutes late and your blowout is fresh. Your like makeup looks amazing. Yeah, I just ran a half marathon. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? <laughs> I know. You were like, you did what? (laughs) I was shook. I was shook. I'm like that lady. Have you ever seen that video where she's out the car window and she's like, why are you running? Are you running away from someone? Oh, you're running on purpose? (laughs) Like, that's literally me. There were signs at the half that were literally like, we can call you an Uber. And I was like, this is not helpful. (laughs) Like, when you're in it. Are you serious? And I I was so mad. I was like, Okay, this is not what I want to be seeing at mile 12. Like, don't say, we'll call you an Uber home. Like, say, go, f- like, finish it. Like, you're almost done. It was the energy to make a sign like that and I know, go I know. to a half marathon. It was wild. But yeah, so that that was a fun little adventure the last couple of weekends. Okay, guys, I know I never shut up about WellBell hair supplements, but I probably will never stop talking about them. If you don't know by now, I had a crazy hair journey. And if you go to my highlight titled WellBell, W-E-L-L-B-E-L, my handle on Instagram is at Veronica Julia, and you can find it there. I had the most brittle, overprocessed, damaged hair, and it would not grow past my shoulders. I was always so embarrassed going to the salon because the stylist would always tell me how damaged my hair had gotten. It wasn't until I started taking WellBell when I saw insane growth and results. My hair is silky as fuck, less tangled, it's the longest it's been in years, and now every time I get my hair done, the stylists compliment me. And it makes me geek out over the product the more I use it. If any of this spoke to you, I definitely recommend trying it out and get your mans on it too with their WellBell Men's line. I actually have a code VERONICA10 for 10% off your first bottle. That's VERONICA10, V-E-R-O-N-I-C-A-10 for 10% off. Or I always recommend the subscription because consistency is key with this product. Trust me, I've been taking it for almost three years now. You can use code Veronica Sub 10, that's V E R O N I C A S U B 10, for 10% off your subscription. That's Veronica Sub 10, V E R O N I C A S U B 10 on www.wellbell.com. W E L L B E L.com. Have you always been a runner? No, not at all. It's funny. I set a lot of goals for myself at the beginning of 2023. And I think you'll appreciate when you're on your own and your own boss and you're an entrepreneur, goal setting is really important just to keep yourself motivated, keep yourself in line. And so I had some goals kind of fitness-wise that I wanted to achieve. Running a half was never one of them. I didn't even have like a 10K on my goal list. No way. So it was wild. There was one, a new race that started at Annapolis and it was a cool course. It ran through the downtown parts of the city and along the water. And I kind of was like, I feel like I could do this. And so they had a 10, they had a 5K, a 10K and a half option. And so two to three weeks, no, actually no, about a month before I went into it and I was like, I'll run the 10K. And I went out for a couple of runs and I was like, I think I could do the half. So I, I mean, I did my first half with only about three weeks of solid training in terms of running, but I've gotten into a pretty good workout routine at the gym that I go to in DC over the past six months. And that's really been pivotal and kind of just like reshaping my day to day and my week to week. And so I was, I think I was able to fall back on kind of that strength and conditioning that I had built up 
in order to be able to do the half. And then I did the second one. And that one did me. And that, that one was tough. Really? So we actually both went to the workout class that you go to pretty yes. habitually together. I don't know if that was your first time. Whenever. Back in August, like back in July, August. We did like a group class. And I did it for a while. It's so tough, guys. Like probably one of the toughest workouts I've ever done. But it busts you into shape. Like I feel like the fact that you were able to do a half marathon after that is like totally believable because it really is like built for athletes. I went to LA, so I have been away for a long time. I haven't been back at a class, but I definitely want to go take one soon. But I'm like so proud that you literally show up there every day (laughs) because for a while, I was like scared to show up. I was like, I love the people here. I love Matt, the owner, Mia. I love her class. I was just like, this is like scary. (laughs) So I think it's like super badass that like you literally go every day, multiple times a day. Have you ever gone more than once? I feel like I saw you go like twice one time. I used to be a big like twice a day workout, but I think so. The gym's called Flex and they've started offering this class called MXT Plus, which is kind of like their regular class on steroids. Oh God, I would die. (laughs) It's become like, I kid you not, like I clocked out at an hour and 50 minutes from the class last Friday. Like it is insane. So I've wow. I've switched into this routine of I do MXT plus three days a week and then I run three days a week and now I rest one day a week. And I think I've talked about the owner or the owner Matt is a big proponent of training versus exercising. And mm-hmm. I think when I was going through the stages of finding my place and finding myself as an entrepreneur, I was really into the concept of exercising mm-hmm. and going to a bunch of workout classes, but I didn't really have any kind of end goal. And Flex has allowed me to switch from exercising to training and kind of focus on an end goal. So right now that's training for races. I want to do a competition called High Rocks, which is kind of like a CrossFit conditioning oh my gosh, like workout. Girl. Yeah. So, but it's been cool because I think I have all these goals that are so career focused and it's been nice to find a hobby and a space where I put my phone on do not disturb and just take some time for myself. And when you leave your day job to pursue your passion and your hobby and that becomes your work, it you then don't have that creative outlet anymore. And so I think working out and going to flex and training for the halves has become my space where I can take a break from work. Yeah. I have been a big believer for a long time in not exercising, but movement, like moving my body. So I think I'm not going to like train for a half marathon. It's just like not me. My body is just not going to do it. I mean, I guess I could if I really wanted to move my mind to it, but I'm definitely more of like a low impact workout Mm -hmm. person. And I think for a while, like whenever I was in my early 20s, I just wanted results. Like I wanted to look a certain way. And I think that, yeah, there's like some vanity in that and does like help people get to that place of like motivation to like go to the gym, whatever. But I think that kind of gets lost in the sauce sometimes. And for me, I had a friend named Rachel and she is just like a holistic coach. She's just so like beyond her years. She had this course called momentum. And basically it was an accountability group of like three to four girls. And we would meet every week to do like different wellness practices. So one week was movement. And she just talks about how it's just important to like program your mind to think of it as just moving your body and to doing what it's meant to do as opposed to like, oh, I'm going to like exercise so I can like look a certain way or I can like 
I don't know. I think it's really cool how Matt has the system laid out as it's training and like you're an athlete. Like you're not just like exercising just to like exercise. Like you're going because like you want to achieve really great things. And I think like whenever you shift your mindset towards exercise, towards like things like that, it's so much better and healthier and creates like a better mental state for you as a whole. And as people that are on their phones like all the time, I totally agree with you putting your phone away and having an hour to an hour and a half or however long, <laughs> however long you're going Two for. hours. Two <laughs> hours. To like, just like completely let go of that and like treat your body well and do what it's meant to do is so important. And I think it's great for your mental health. But Definitely. And I think that accountability thing that you said with like that group of friends is something that I found at Flex. So like I went into it thinking that it was just going to be a good workout. And what I've gotten from it is a whole training regimen, but I've also gotten a really close group of friends that are people, some of my best friends that I spend the most time with, I didn't even know six months ago. Yeah. And I think that's always really interesting. And it's something I really love about DC is there's so many young people in this community that are willing to go out of their way to befriend new people. And it's been cool just to see in the past year or so how my friends and my life has changed and the people that I'm close to and the relationships that I've built. So it's nice that I found some new friends and kind of a new space within the fitness community. And it's a whole group of people I never would have met otherwise. Absolutely. And... People always ask me, I'm sure you get this a lot, on how to make friends in D.C. I've seen your TikToks on it before, yeah. Yeah, there's just a lot of transplants here. So I think a lot of people either move here for a job by themselves or maybe they are leaving a friend group that isn't really suiting them or isn't really filling their cup and they're looking for new friends. I always tell people, go to workout classes and go to places that like actually are fueling a community as opposed to just like, oh, you walk into the workout class, you take the class and then you're done. I think Flex is like a really great place for that. Definitely. I also think just like reaching out to people on social media. I've had so many girls like ask me to go get coffee and I'll go get coffee with some of them and we end up becoming really great friends. So it's just putting yourself out there and just doing the things that you like. I mean, we kind of technically met a little bit through social media. I know we met at at a restaurant PR event, but we knew of each other on social media. So like we didn't walk up to each other and be like, hi, how are you? We were like, oh, like I recognize you. Like it's nice to meet you. (laughs) I know. It's always so funny whenever, I'm sure you can relate, whenever you meet people in real life because you feel like you know them. So it's just funny because it's kind of like you instantly click. But I think that's why it's important to surround yourself with people that are like-minded and or have the same interests. Or I think it's great that you're training with people that are going towards a, the same goal mm-hmm. because you can support each other and, again, hold each other accountable, which is awesome. But speaking of relationships… <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to like just throw that in there. But yeah. I know that you actually have a stalker. Oh, yeah. that That was a thing. Can we talk about him? <laughs> sure. That luckily is closed book. I threw a party or I guess a restaurant in DC when I hit 40,000 followers threw a party on my behalf, which was awesome. It was a great way to like meet some people from my community that I never met in person. I met a lot of people just in their 20s, kind of like following my page because they're looking for things to do. A lot of my close friends was there. My family was there. But there was also one guy that like made people super uncomfortable and had to get kicked out of the bar What was he doing? He just was like not, he wasn't respecting personal space and boundaries and wasn't taking the cues that like it was time to to leave. Right. Some people just can't take a hint. Yeah. And it's tough because as a result, I get a lot of interesting DMs, I'd say, from (laughs) different types of people. And I actually have gone out with people like really DM before. Yeah. It's 
kind of nice because it's kind of like it can serve like a dating app almost. But also it's hard because I feel like I really need to vet the people that are reaching out to me now. And as a result, there's kind of like this like weird border between like if someone asks me out to coffee or drinks, it's like if they're coming from a private profile, I almost have to follow their profile back on my personal account and kind of verify that that it's not something that's going to endanger me. And so that's been really tough just because people always talk about how you don't post until you leave somewhere or don't be too forward with the information. Like definitely never put your address out into social media. And so it's been interesting navigating like relationships and stuff like that because I have gotten, I, I mean, I probably get people asking me out on DMs like once or twice a week. Oh my God. You're a hot commodity. <laughs> but it's tough because it's it's like kind of awkward and it's like, I don't know you and I and I don't, always have time to entertain these things. And sometimes it's a little bit weird and people that just maybe aren't my type, which I feel really bad saying, but like, it's the truth. So I think it's interesting because I think dating, whenever you have a platform is really weird because I think people have this idea of like how you are or who you are. Mm -hmm. And in reality, again, social media is a highlight reel, but you're never going to know how like somebody is in like a dating perspective. So I always get really... Just, I'm very protective of my space. And I always try and make sure that people aren't just like dating me because they like the idea of me. Right. Or if they actually like me for who I am. Yeah. And I don't know if that's like something that you've had to like kind of go through. Definitely. I mean, I've been on and off the apps. I've been on and off dating people. I think everyone who's single in DC or is coming out of a relationship will kind of appreciate, appreciate that and relate to it. I mean, the apps are tough, but like there's a lot of good and there's a lot of successful relationships that I've seen with friends that have come out of them. But it's tough because I've gone on dates with people that end up like knowing who I was, but like don't make it apparent up front. So it's kind of a, it's a hard because like if they see me on the app and they like swipe right or whatever and make a comment about one of my prompts, it's not totally inherent that I'm going to know whether they know me or not. But then there's been times where like we'll be on date two or three even and they'll be like, oh yeah, by the way, like I actually like knew who you were through Instagram. But I also don't want to be like, oh, do you know who I am? It's so super weird to navigate. Well, I think you have such a big, strong presence here. So I would just assume that everybody knows who you are. But I I hate to make that assumption. But yeah, but it's interesting. Well, there are people that aren't on social media. There are people. I actually prefer to date people that aren't on social media. It's funny you say that. I went on a date with a guy last night that doesn't have Instagram. How was it? (laughs) Recap the date for us. (laughs) We were were in Navy. We were just around the corner from here, actually. Wow. No, but <laughs> you're like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> How did it go? <laughs> it was actually a really good date. Um, I had a lot of fun. And the nice thing, so when people don't have social media, it's, I agree with you. I like it as long as they respect the fact that I have it and spend a lot of time on it. And with him, he's a little bit older. He's probably four or five years older than me. And I think he's part of the generation that like not everyone had social media. It wasn't I don't know if he had Facebook or not, but probably had Facebook, but never really felt the need to have an Instagram. And so he told me, he was like, I've just never felt the need to have it, but I'm totally supportive of like what you are doing. Like, it's fine. He's like, are you judging me? And I'm like, no, I'd be worried that you're judging me for literally having probably six hours of screen time a day on Instagram at this point. But it was nice because we had been chatting and we had actually met over the weekend briefly, just like we were at the same bar and so said hi to each other. But then last night was our actual first date. And it was nice because the drinks came. We got espresso martinis, of course. Of course. Obviously. 
Yeah. And we are actually, we were actually at the rooftop of the surveyor, which is funny because. How was it? It was really nice, but we hadn't gone up there when we went to brunch, but it it was a great, great spot. And he was like, oh, are you going to take a picture? And I kind of was like, (laughs) when they they came out and he goes, oh, are you going to take a picture? And I kind of was like, are you asking because like you're okay with it? Or are you asking because like you're judging me? I was like, can I? And he's like, yeah, like I was expecting you to. And I was like, are you sure? And he's like, yes. Like, Maddie, it's fine. Like, you can take a picture. You found your prince. (laughs) And I was like, okay, this is great. But like the other thing that I really like about dating someone or like potentially dating someone, whatever, or even like talking to people that don't have social media is like, they'll actually ask me how my day was. And they'll be like, what did you do today? Like, how was your day? And because they don't already know. Yeah. Sometimes when you're dating someone who has social media, the questions will be like, so pinpointed on what you posted, but less about like how you actually are and how you're actually doing. And so it's nice that I'm allowed to like have a conversation about what I did and kind of highlight the parts that don't get put on social media. Because there's also a ton of the thing, a ton of what we do doesn't always get posted. And those are sometimes like the most meaningful and impactful parts of our day. Or it's like a really good conversation you had with a friend or a phone call to like a friend from far away and you don't always post about that, but those are sometimes like the best parts of your day. And so it's nice when someone is just like, how are you? How is your day? Like open-ended, you can say whatever you want. Absolutely. I agree. I think that it kind of creates a blank space yeah. as opposed to, oh, you did this, this, and this. Tell me about this. How do you already know about that? Obviously, because I posted about it. <laughs> but- Which I get. Like I'm putting myself out there knowing that that can happen. So it, it's not like it's a problem, but it is nice when someone is remembers to check in. And that's in relationships. It's in friendships. It's like with family. It's any type of relationship, not just boys or girls or what, like whatever you're interested in. Yeah, I agree. So I actually am off the apps besides one. I don't really use it though, but I've actually met so many people organically lately. And I think that if you're having a tough time on the apps or maybe you're not meeting people that are up to your standards. I think it's important to have high standards too because I think there's a lot of people that settle in this world and that just ends up in pure chaos and nobody wants to be in that situation. But I think it's great to meet people organically and I don't think you should be afraid to like go up to somebody and talk to them. I am literally insane whenever I like go out. If I see somebody that I might potentially be interested in, I go up to them and I'm I'm like, hey. You have nothing to lose. What's I, up? I always say to shoot your shot. Yeah, shoot your shot. I love you that. literally have nothing to lose, especially if it's someone you don't know. The only caveat, if it's like overlapping friend groups, sometimes I'm like, maybe oh. don't shoot your shot. Yeah. But, but you really have nothing to lose. And I actually have also like felt more recently that the organic kind of meeting in person is maybe making a little bit of a comeback, which is nice. Yeah. I think there was a time during COVID where it was – A, like inappropriate and not allowed. And then B, awkward and people kind of forgot. But I think we're slowly getting to a point where that kind of like in-person meet cute potential exists again, which is exciting. Right. No, I agree. I think it's, people don't give DC a chance. I actually don't think the dating is that bad here. I think it's what you make of it. I think it's a tough city, but also you got to be putting yourself out there. And I think a lot of people who complain aren't necessarily putting themselves out there mm-hmm. and allowing themselves to be open to opportunity. And so I think some of the complaints are kind of… Yeah, I think open to opportunity is a really great thing to say because I think a lot of people actually don't realize how closed off they are. Yes. And then they blame it on the external things, not maybe the things that they need to work through. But 
I think it's hard everywhere. I truly believe that it's hard to date everywhere now, especially with the condition that our world is in. We're so social media centric. We're always on our phones. And I think that's why dating apps actually work for a lot of people. But like I have actually struggled talking to certain people in person. If I go up to somebody and I try to hold a conversation, most of the time it's like not a good conversation. But then there's some that are. And there's people that I have like been on dates with where I feel like I'm pulling teeth trying to talk to them. I just feel like some people just aren't conversational anymore because we literally spent two to three years trapped in our homes and scrolling on social media. (laughs) And now that social media is a bad thing. I don't think it is at all. I think it's meant to be a tool, but I think our social skills, not me and you, I think we're pretty social, but I think some people's social skills have really taken a decline. Yeah. And I think, and we also talked about this pretty recently as well, we're finding ourselves and I think we're lucky and in this space where we're really happy with like the woman that we're becoming. And as a result, it doesn't make sense to spend time with a guy and a significant other unless like they're going to kind of be the one. Mm -hmm. We have so much going on, so many businesses, so many opportunities, so many clients, so many things to be at, so many close female friends that we want to spend time with. And I'm always kind of the mindset, unless this guy that I'm seeing is going to be like my best friend and like you know, potentially the one. I don't really want to invest a lot of time into that relationship because I just have so many other friendships and people I care about that I'd rather spend that time and energy. Yeah, dating is like a part-time job. It's totally a part-time job. And I and it's like doesn't make sense to like continue going on dates unless if you're like really getting something like out of that relationship. Yeah. I actually hate first dates. I always talk about this, but they're so awkward. They are awkward. Because not because the conversation's awkward. I get so nervous that every single person around me is going to listen to me on a first name. (laughs) And I just can't like fathom because I've been in the situation where I've tuned into somebody on a date, Mm. a first date, and I'm giggling. I'm like, oh my God, that's a first date. Because they're asking, how's your family? Where are you from? What's like the traditional questions that you ask on a first date? So I always get like so anxious. I'm like, we have to talk about Anything that is not serviceable. <laughs> I think my favorite first date, and like it kind of goes with that, is I love grabbing coffee and going for a walk because I love that. It allows it to kind of be an open ended timeline. Like if it's not going well, like you can kind of cut it off after 30, 45 minutes. But if it's going really well, you could potentially then go grab a drink or then go grab a bite to eat. No one's eavesdropping. You're going with the flow. You guys just kind of look like friends, or it looks like you're already dating because you're just kind of like casually walking. But I love like a coffee walk situation. I love that too. And I actually hate drink dates on the first date. I think it's just you get trapped most yeah. of the time. Especially, oh my gosh, dinner dates. Oh, you oh, really get no, trapped. Definitely Don't no do that. <laughs> but I actually have a really funny story. I was at Bluestone Lane yesterday and I overheard a first date. So it was this girl and this older guy. And she basically was talking about how his dad was a doctor and that he was basically a doctor because his dad was a doctor. It was like the most chaotic conversation, but I loved how she just put herself out there. Like she was unapologetically herself. And she started talking about her dad and how he has polio and like has a cane and a limp and wears a gold chain and was just like telling him everything, which I loved. But then she goes, wait, do you have be real? Sorry, no, you're kind of old. How old are you? <laughs> he goes, I'm 45. She goes, oh no, you don't know what that is. But here, smile, you're going to be my be real. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. And I was like crying laughing. And then she's like, oh, I have to go back to work, but nice meeting you. Bye. And just, it was, I don't think he got a word in, but I just loved that she was just like, obviously that is like, don't do that. (laughs) She was just unapologetically herself. And I think on first dates, people are so scared to open up. I think you just need to like hit the ground running because you don't want to waste any more of your time. Yeah. And you like, you know it's going to work or it's not going to work. I think one of my close friends, Mia, she kind of came up with this idea. Not that she came up with it. I think she saw it from an influencer, but she was the one who explained to me that there's like a list of non-negotiables and then there's a list of things that like would be nice. And so we spent some time kind of like writing down like things that like is a must and like wanting to have a family and kids for me is a must. But like some people don't want a family and kids and like that's totally fine. But like, I, if I find out on the first date that he never wants to have kids or if he's leaving DC and would like never live in DC again in like two weeks, there's things. And then there's obviously things that are like more personal. I probably want to like share publicly on a podcast, but <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> but like, I think you'll get the hint. Wink, wink. Anyways, <laughs> there's things that are non-negotiables. And then there's things that are like, would be nice. Like for me, like I'm a morning person, like being a morning person would be nice, but like, if it works, it works. Like that's not like a total yes or no, but kind of having that list and thinking about it going into a first first date is really helpful for me because it's like, okay, if there's too many things that just aren't adding up, even if he he had a really nice time and comes back later that night or the next day or whatever, and it's like, hey, I really had a nice time. I'd love to do it again sometimes. Sometimes you just got to like realize that like not to get like trapped in that second date if you really don't want to and if you aren't feeling it. And just like sending that like nice anti-ghosting text as opposed to like getting stuck in this limbo that it's like, okay, do you go on a second date or do you just like not respond? And so I think that like over time, I've become a little bit more mature about like not ghosting, not going on a second date if I really don't want to instead of like feeling like I need to force it just because like they had a good time. Yeah. I actually have a husband list on my notes. Ooh. Okay. I like that. So every time I think of something that icks me out from someone, I literally write down like the opposite thing. I just have a running list going. So anytime I think of something that is a non-negotiable or would be nice, I put it in there. Okay. So like similar concept. Yeah. And you can go back before every date, read it yeah, and see if it's like aligning with the person. I love it. Yeah. I like, I also have the crush list. I think Tanks made this up, but having a crush list too. I love having a crush list. There's currently four. Oh. How many many do you have? I don't know. I need to update mine actually. But like having a crush is so important. Yeah. Do you want to explain the concept? Yeah. So I believe Tanks made this up and I love her. She's great. So basically you have a running note on your phone and anytime you're just even a little bit attracted to somebody or... You kind of have like your heart's fluttering a little bit when you're around them. Or it could be like a celebrity that you just like have this like newfound like fondness over. You just put everyone in the crush list. Literally anyone you can think of that is going to just like make you feel a certain type of way. But I think it's important because that way you always realize that there's people out there for you. And I think it's really reassuring that things will go your way eventually. But I remove people from my crush list all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's ebbing and flowing. I like like having crush lists of like semi-realistic people of like someone that like… Yeah, same. I I have like one celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. But like… It's nice when it's the people that you've either know or met before or like could potentially run into because then it we talked earlier about 
how a lot of people settle. I think it prevents you from settling because you're like, oh, in the back of my mind, there's this other guy or person that like really excites me for X, Y, and Z. And if this person isn't exciting me in the same way, then like maybe this new person isn't the person for me. And you move on kind of knowing that back of mind feeling about how you feel about someone else. Absolutely. And I think having crushes is healthy. I think it's natural. I think it's human. I think if you don't have any crushes on your crush list, it's time to reevaluate <laughs> because you just need to get out there. You need to do your thing. And maybe if you're not looking for anything, like it's still like important to like kind of like have that on your mind. But for example, celebrities, I've removed from my crush list. So I love Harry Styles. <laughs> but then I saw that picture of him and Emily Rajatowski kissing and his mouth is like, I'm literally opening up my mouth so wide right now, guys. It's literally the most disgusting photo. Like, it's like, ah, like, it's like so bad. So he's removed from my crush list, but it's okay. He can make an appearance back. We'll see. But yeah, people can like ebb and flow, get back on the crush list, leave the crush list. You just never know. So I I think it's just good. I love the husband list. I love that. That's what you called it. That's a good one. I am such a fiend for a good note. I put everything in my notes. notes app. Oh, Love the notes app. That Same. is like pinned. That is where I spend the most time. Absolutely. Besides well, Instagram, of course. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, speaking of Instagram, do you want to tell everybody how they can be friends, how they can stay in touch, see your content, all the things? Definitely. So DMV Food Finds is my main like foodie influencer page. Maddie Smith 17 is my personal account. And then I have a work account that's called Optionality DC. Those are like my three big Instagram pages. But Feel free to follow me. If you if you follow me on my personal page, I'll probably follow you back. If you follow me on my food account, I probably won't follow you back. Sorry. <laughs> so I do want to end the episode with your favorite espresso martini in D.C. Oh, can it be not in D.C.? Yeah, wherever you want. Okay, I think my favorite is Osteria 177 in Annapolis. Okay. It's phenomenal. So like within a 45-minute drive in D.C. Is it worth the drive? Totally worth the drive. It's worth the drive for the food and for the espresso martini. So amazing. Like, like double whammy. Good to know. DC, I've had a lot of good ones. I'll say less about where my favorite is and more about recommending you substitute vodka with mezcal. I love a mezcal espresso martini. I've never tried mezcal. People always ask about tequila, but they never offer me mezcal. Yeah. So tequila, I think, was like the intro and I love mezcal. So now I've started to ask for it with mezcal, but I think. Any place that has real espresso and will sub mezcal and the bartender's like excited about that substitution is going to be a good espresso martini. Have you had it at Residence? I have. I like Residence. The only thing that I don't love about Residence is that it's a dessert cocktail to me, but I like an espresso martini that can kind of be like a happy hour or a dessert cocktail and it's not necessarily like as sweet. But Residence dessert cocktail wise, 10 out of 10. But I'm like a little bit less. I'm a little bit more of a, all day. Yeah, a general espresso martini. martini. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Maddie. And everybody has to go to Annapolis to try Osteria 177. Yes. And yeah, (laughs) I'm glad that we have that piece of advice, word of wisdom. And thank you so much for coming on. And this was so much fun. Yay. Bye guys. See you next week. Okay, guys, I know I never shut up about Wellbell hair supplements, but I probably will never stop talking about them. If you don't know by now, I had a crazy hair journey. And if you go to my highlight titled Wellbell, W-E-L-L-B-E-L, my handle on Instagram is at Veronica Julia and you can find it there. I had the most brittle, overprocessed, damaged hair and it would not grow past my shoulders. I was always so embarrassed going to the salon because the stylist would always tell me how damaged my hair had gotten. 
It wasn't until I started taking Wellbell when I saw insane growth and results. My hair is silky as fuck, less tangled, it's the longest it's been in years, and now every time I get my hair done, the stylists compliment me. And it makes me geek out over the product the more I use it. If any of this spoke to you, I definitely recommend trying it out and get your mans on it too with their Wellbell men's line. I actually have a code VERONICA10 for 10% off your first bottle. That's VERONICA10, V-E-R-O-N-I-C-A-10 for 10% off. Or I always recommend the subscription because consistency is key with this product. Trust me, I've been taking it for almost three years now. You can use code VERONICASUB10, that's V-E-R-O-N-I-C-A-S-U-B-10, for 10% off your subscription. That's VERONICASUB10, V-E-R-O-N-I-C-A-S-U-B-10 on www.wellbell.com, W-E-L-L-B-E-L.com. 